0: This is Joshua Bell with The Filt in the Cloth. This was Reverend Pam Holt preaching for me on July 10th, 2022. I hope you enjoy, and I really appreciate her doing it for me. It was awesome, and even my own daughter said the sermon was better than anything she's heard and years. I hope you enjoy. God bless. while Josh is at Lake Texoma with our young people driving a big, powerful boat with children behind him or young people behind him. So we pray for him today. Gosh. So uh, you may not know me. You may not have ever seen me before. I'm the Reverend Pamela G. Holt. I serve as the regional minister and of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ in Oklahoma. My husband, Randy, and I, we live in a small, rural Oklahoma town of Tuttle, uh, which is south of Mustang over the river, so to speak, and um, it is the home of the Brahms Dairy Farm, but there's no Brahms in Tuttle. We have to drive 10 miles to get to the closest Brahms. Isn't that amazing? I know, it just doesn't seem right. We, um, we own a small, I'd call it a small ranch in comparison to most people who own ranches. We have seven acres, partly wooded, partly pasture. We have two horses, um, one dog. We used to have seven, now we have one dog. We have one indoor cat and a multitude of outdoor cats because I free feed our cats. Anybody who shows up is welcome to a meal, including a turtle who has recently decided that uh, the cat food in the garage is pretty tasty. Uh, We also have possums and uh, uh, skunks and an occasional armadillo, not interested in the cat food though. Um, Anyway, we have uh, a daughter who lives in Fort Worth, an adult daughter who lives in Fort Worth, We have an adult son and daughter-in-law and a four-year-old grandson who live in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And we have just, literally just returned from the cool mountains of Colorado, um, welcoming back to the uh, hot blow dryer of Oklahoma. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, as your regional minister, I bring you greetings from your siblings in Um, our 134 congregations around the region of Oklahoma who like us are gathering for worship this morning to sing, to pray, to hear a good word from the Lord and to share in a feast around the Lord's table. I always and especially want to express my deep gratitude for your very generous giving to a variety of ministries in your local community um, and beyond, including the Week of Compassion, Reconciliation, Disciples Mission Fund, and the Regional Church. Your giving along with your sibling givings are how we all live together and do ministry together. Also, every time you give, your presence is made known, especially to the week of compassion with the disasters around the world. Um, So that's a very important offering that you also give of yourselves. Your minister, Josh, says to me frequently, not occasionally, but frequently, the people in Perry are the best, capital B-E-S-T, are the best people anywhere. So um, I believe him. I think you are too and you are very blessed to have him as your pastor. Um, as you know, he is passionate about God, about scripture, and he's also uh, he also cares deeply for you. Um, he really strives to create a safe space for adults and children to hear the word of God, to be fed by the word of God, and to be shaped and transformed to love your neighbor as God loves you. It is always a joy to celebrate ministries of a congregation in mission and witness to the love and grace of God. That's you all, so thank you very much. Our scripture today is from the Gospel According to Luke, but it is not what I told Josh earlier. I skipped uh, up a few weeks, and our scripture today is coming from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. It's a very short piece, and I hope a very familiar piece. It goes like this. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after Jesus had finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Jesus then said to them, Well, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not do not bring us to the time of trial. As we hear and digest these words this morning, let us pray. O good and gracious God, we open our hearts and our minds to hear you in the midst of the words that come to us. And we ask you as we listen carefully to transform us to become clouds with life-giving rain or maybe trees that bear luscious fruit but most importantly transform us to be fountains of cold stream water for some still very thirsty travelers who make their way to and through you ever seen the movie Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby? Anybody? Well, let me set it up for you. I'm going to set up one scene for you. In the scene from the 2006 comedy, which you might want to go find now on Netflix, Disney Plus, Paramount, whatever you watch, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, we get to sit down at the table with the fastest NASCAR racer, Ricky Bobby, along with his family and his best friend, Cal. They are gathered for fine dining at one of those multiple fast food restaurants, Domino's Pizza, KFC, and Taco Bell. That's fine dining. But before they eat, Ricky Bobby wants to pray. Everyone bows their heads and he begins, Dear Lord, Baby Jesus. He then proceeds to thank baby Jesus for various blessings, including his red hot smoking wife, Carly. And as he prays, he continues to repeat the phrase, Dear Lord, Baby Jesus. Callie, his wife, interrupts him and says, You know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. Ricky Bobby replies, well, I like Christmas Jesus the best, and I'm the one saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus, whomever you want. Ricky Bobby continues his prayer. Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny balled-up fists, This time, his father-in-law angrily interrupts. He was a man. He had a beard. Ricky Bobby snaps back. Listen, I'm saying grace, and I like the Christmas version the best. Ignoring the conflict between the two men, Ricky Bobby's best friend, Cal, jumps in, and he says, I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo T-shirt. It says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. (laughs) One of Ricky Bobby's sons says, I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off the evil Samurai. Cal then adds, I really like to think of Jesus with giant eagle wings and singing lead vocals for the Leonard Skinner with an angel band. (laughs) Ricky Bobby returns to his prayer, saying dear eight-pound, six-ounce newborn infant Jesus who doesn't even know a word yet, little infant so cuddly but still omnipotent. He then thanks baby Jesus for all of his NASCAR victories and the millions of prize money dollars he's won. And he concludes grace by saying, thank you for all your power and grace, dear baby God. Immediately after the prayer, Cal, his friend, says, that was a heck of a grace, man. You nailed it like a split hog. And we, we might laugh at this prayer. Or we might roll our eyes, or we might be as disgusted as some of the family members are. But one of my rules After God's Ten Commandments and Jesus' great commandment is, Thou shalt never judge someone else's prayer. Never. Not even one delivered from a public forum or a political pulpit. I have a friend who refers to God as the Holy One upstairs. I have another friend who prays to the good Lord who knows best. Many refer to God as Father, a more traditional uh, name for God. Some refer to God as Mother, others as Holy One. There are children's books and adult books that give us lots of images for God that we could use. Maybe you have one of your own, like Ricky Bobby. The character, Ricky Bobby, has found an image of God that he actually adores, that he can relate to, that he can embrace, that he can talk to very casually, out loud and in public in a fast food restaurant of all places. His prayer is bold, audacious, honest, and it expresses gratitude. How many of us can do that? I know, because it's my experience, if I were to ask just in general for you all to offer a prayer right now for all of us, every single one of you in this room would go, hope she doesn't call on me. Well, it is my experience that most of us, maybe all of us, tend to shy away from praying out loud, especially in public, because we worry about our words, what we say, will they be right, will they be helpful? But what we need to know today is, it is apparently the disciples' job to go out and pray for people and with people in their community so to learn more about that let's turn to luke chapter 11 and i want you to hold that spot if you're turning on your phone or in your bible to that chapter hold that spot for just a minute because i want us to flip back to chapter five where jesus calls his first disciples You know, he called fishermen. I know you'll remember that. He called fishermen. Folks that may not have been around holy people or praying people. Sure enough, not very close to the synagogue. They're closer to the lake. They left everything, though, and they followed Jesus, and they watched him cleanse a leper and heal a man who was paralyzed, And restore a man's withered hand and raise a widow's dead son and calm a storm the disciples heard him teaching great crowds of people from all of Judea Jerusalem and beyond about not judging others and loving your enemies they observed him going up the mountain to pray. Before long, Jesus sent all of them out on a mission to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said, don't take anything with you. He said, just go and share the good news. So they did. And it went so well that Jesus appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in paradise. With the authority and power of Jesus, they too went. And then they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even in your name, demons submitted to us. And that's when Jesus said, See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven." He then turned and spoke to the disciples privately. That's when we notice that something is amiss with the disciples' hearts and minds. In chapter 11, one of the disciples asks Jesus to teach them how to pray. Wait, didn't they already know how to pray? Haven't they been doing that? They were sent out in pairs to to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal people. I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure that they prayed with people and for people who were vulnerable. But do you realize that we have not heard one disciple pray? Hmm. And now, after the fact, they are asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. Maybe, maybe they were feeling a little insecure, right? Maybe. They were wondering if their prayers were working. Maybe they were wondering about the words that they were using. They were praying and things were happening, but they weren't feeling the power and authority that Jesus felt when he prayed. I get that. Gosh, do I ever get that. Standing with a mother whose child is dying and she turns to me and pleads, pray, Pam, Please pray. Where are my words, right? Sitting with a man and his wife, waiting for the doctor to come in with a pathology report, they both look at me and ask, Will you pray with us? My best friend's mother died, and she called and asked if I would would pray at the funeral. Well, you see, prayer is the way we talk to God. It's intimate, and it goes right into the heart. And prayer is what brings hope and assurance and strength and courage when people are at their most vulnerable and they depend on someone else for that prayer. But sometimes that feeling and that power and that authority gets lost when we grasp for right words, while it's there for all of us, we just have to be reminded to trust it. Prayer was an integral part of Jesus's life. Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus would withdraw to deserted places to to pray, and at other times, he went up the mountain to pray. He spent the night in prayer with God. Jesus prayed before he chose his apostles, and when he fed the 5,000, he prayed the night before he died, and from the cross itself, and with the disciples after his resurrection. Prayer was an integral part of his being. And I am positive that prayer is a part of our We may have learned to pray when we were mere children. We may have learned about prayer from our grandparents around the dinner table or from our parents at bedtime or from our Sunday school teacher or from our minister or our elders or from our Bible. We may pray as fervently and as frequently as Jesus did For ourselves and for others but there comes a time when we like the disciples long for Jesus to teach us how to pray maybe if he taught us and we prayed like Jesus our prayers would work better maybe they would be more effective and so when the disciples asked Jesus Said, when you pray, say, Father. For Jesus, a term of endearment, for and one of deep relationship, especially between Jesus and God. This could be any name that you choose, one that means something to you, but whatever you choose, Jesus says, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed. Jesus reveres God and honors God with all his being. Your kingdom come. This is the confession that Jesus makes, that God is holy and that it is God's reign that has come near, not Jesus' reign and surely not ours either. Give us each day our daily bread, the first of three needs for us as mere human people, We need some kind of daily sustenance for our bodies to function properly and to have energy to do God's work in the world, to go out and proclaim the word of God and pray with people and forgive our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. This is the second of the three needs. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins. We need, we long to be forgiven for our shortcomings and our missteps. Just like we have been forgiven, we need to forgive too. And bring us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. This is the third need, so daily bread, forgive our sins, and don't bring us to a time of trial. Nobody likes to be at a time of trial. And so this third need is to ask for God's protection from circumstances that test or threaten our faith in God. Three things, that's it. It's not prayer to get what we, whatever we want. It's a prayer for God to bring the fullness of God's reign to fruition. This prayer that Jesus is teaching his disciples affirms God's commitment to accomplishing this. And those who pray as Jesus taught should expect that God intends to use them as a means toward doing so. Think of it like a formula. Address God in a very personal way. Find an image of God that you adore, that you can relate to, that you can embrace, that you can talk to honestly, and that you can express your gratitude out loud and in public. Confess that it is God who creates us and recreates us and the world, and be grateful because we surely cannot do it. Ask for and give thanks for this day's bread filling us, giving us energy. Ask for forgiveness for our shortcomings and for what we could have or should have done better. And to help us forgive others and protect us from whatever threatens all of our faith. You know, we actually pray a version of this prayer that we heard earlier every Sunday. I see it printed in the bulletin today. It's committed also to your memory and even in the minds of some of our youngest children. If it has lost some meaning for you, I want you to try something today. First, remember that when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, this is the prayer Jesus taught. Second, I'd like for you to try to pray this prayer every single day this week. In the morning, in the evening, in your head, out loud, while you're driving, while you're mowing, while you're washing clothes or while you're washing dishes, while you're walking, anywhere that you are third when someone asks you to pray for them use this prayer it comes with the power and the authority of jesus behind it and it will be a powerful moment as you embrace the one near you because while you are praying this prayer they too will remember the words and they will join you in that prayer. There's nothing more powerful or more comforting. I have a colleague who at the end of every conversation we have, he says, can I pray with you? His prayer is this very same formula. And after we share in prayer for one another, I know he has listened, as have I. It is one of the most comforting and reassuring moments, and one that I have come to cherish with my friend. You see, God doesn't want prayer to be hard. God wants us to be in relationship with God, and God does not give us prayer to be intimidated or embarrassed by it. God gives us prayer to be in relationship with God and one another. We don't have to have beautifully crafted words to pray for one another. Words are already written upon our heart. And we can take comfort from the fact that even when we do not know how to pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness with sighs too deep for words. And whether we pray to the Father, or to the good Lord who knows best, or to the Holy One upstairs, or to the baby Jesus, we can be confident that our asking, our seeking, our knocking in bold, audacious, and honest prayer will find favor with our holy and almighty God who knows who knows our sitting and our rising, who knows every hair on our head, who knows what we will say even before the words are formed on our tongue, and who loves us abundantly and steadfastly, and who will anoint us with goodness and mercy all the days of our This is a time where we as people of faith, as disciples of Christ, need to be in bold, audacious, honest prayer with our neighbors, whether we know them or not, with our communities, with our nations, with our world. And I promise you, they, like God, are listening, and hearing your fervent and honest prayer. I'm going to ask you to do a little exercise with me. I would like for you to pay attention to your breathing. So you're really going to kind of take a little image, a metaphor of a flashlight, and shine it on your breathing. And I want you to think about your breathing, breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in God's goodness and love and breathing out God's grace. As you continue to focus on your breathing, I'm gonna say a few words of prayer. Eternal spirit, Earthmaker, maker pain-bearer, life-giver, source of all that is and that shall be, father and mother of us all, loving God in whom is heaven. We breathe in and we breathe out. May the hallowing of your name, O God, echo through the universe. May the way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world. May your heavenly will be done by all created beings. May your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come right here on earth. And we breathe out and we breathe. With the bread we need for today, O God, feed us. In the hurts that we absorb from one another, O God, forgive us. In times of temptation and testing, O God, strengthen us. And from trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. And we breathe in and we breathe out. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, love that is abundant and steadfast and peace, peace that comes over us now and forever. We breathe that love and peace in we breathe out God's grace